0: Um, this is an opportunity for me to cast and share a little bit of vision, my hopes and my prayers for us as a church over this next season. Now, if you'd like to record any notes, there's a piece of paper, hopefully, on your, um, on your tables for you to feel free to doodle or to write notes. If preferably write notes, but I've seen some of the doodles and some very good doodling that goes on as well, so um, feel free to do that. Why do we exist? Why does the church even exist? Why do we meet here every single Sunday? Why do millions of people across the world go to a place of worship and worship Jesus every single Sunday? Why are you even part of Oikos? Why are you part of this community? Well, before we can look at the vision of the church, we need to look at what God's vision is for his people what is God's vision for his people? What is the point of the church? Why does God even make the church? You know it was Israel were God's people before, weren't they, in the Old Testament? It was Israel that were God's people. And now in the new covenant and the Jesus Christ, he has gathered a people to himself to be the church. <coughs> the church isn't a building. It is not the place that we come to every Sunday. This is not the church. We are the church, the people of God. We, as individuals, collectively brought together, are the church of God. Isn't that exciting? It is not the building. So what's God's vision for us? Well, firstly, we see God has a heart for everybody that doesn't know them. You just might have to work out. God has a heart for all those that don't know him. His heart breaks for the last. We see here, this, I could have quoted the whole Bible pretty much, but this is the story of the Bible, isn't it? God owns the nations. He owns every single nation. He guides the nations. He is exalted. He's made much of among the nations. This is all from Psalms. They are to praise him. All the nations are to praise him, not just... Not just, his, not just um, Israel, it wasn't just Israel that was supposed to praise him, it was all nations that are to, to praise him. Israel with a light that attracted people to God to say, yes, there is a one true God who is holy and worthy of our praise. And ultimately, they will turn to him and worship him. We've seen that under Jesus, haven't we? That people from all nations and tongue and tribe have come to know him and will come to know him. But we also know that not everybody will turn to Jesus willingly. We have a time now that we are able for people to come to know him, to enjoy Jesus and go and spend eternity with him. God has a heart for all that don't know him. But also God has a heart for those that do know him. Us, the church, that are already his church. God loves you. He's got a heart for you. He wants to change you, make you more like his son. But he has compassion for you like a nursing mother does on a baby. He heard your cry. He pulled you from your pit. He has loved us. He gave his son up for us. He has a heart for you. He doesn't just want to collect bums on seats. He's got a purpose for why you're here. He has a purpose for every single Christian in the world. We are part of a bigger movement than what's happening just here in in our little church. It's bigger than what's happening with the Birmingham Collective. It's bigger than what's happening in the West Midlands. It's bigger than what's happening in the UK. There is a movement that is happening across the world where God is on mission. God has a mission to bring people to know him through relationship with Jesus. Matthew 28. We know this well, don't we? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Famous verses that we know, but that is our call. That is every single Bible-believing Christian's call is to go and make disciples. And I hope today that we are stirred up to know that God is on the move. We may not have seen it. um, We may not see it very much here at times. Maybe we're thinking, oh, we'd just love some more free, wouldn't we? We'd love to do baptisms every single week. But God is on the move. He's at work in us individually, but he is also saving people. We hear stories of people across Birmingham that are coming to faith. People from Muslim backgrounds, people from all walks of life are coming to faith. We've had the joy of baptising nearly 40 people in the life of Oikos Church. God is at work and he will continue to be at work and he will use us. And I just want to, my prayer for us is that we wouldn't grow weary of doing good. Let's not grow weary of doing good. We know the call. We know what he's put on our lives. Let's not grow weary of doing good and sharing the good word with those around us. So my my prayer, my desire is for us to be a healthy church. One that is deepening in our love for Jesus. and One that is being strengthened each and every day by him. That's a simple vision, a simple prayer for us. That's what I want us to be, a healthy church. A growingly, an increasingly healthy church. I think we are. But I don't want us to rest on our laurels. I want us to keep going. You see, the more we love him, the more we're compelled to go, the more people that God uses us to save through his spirit, and the more people join on God's mission. It's a circular thing, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful that we get to be part of that purpose? And 12 years ago, 11 or 10 adults, one child, were captivated by a vision that wasn't just church on a Sunday. That was, how do we live out being the people of God, on the mission of God? How do we do that? And it was a joy, wasn't it, to work out what that meant for us. And we believe that the Bible teaches us that we are to be family together. Family mission servants who make disciples, who make disciples. We can probably read it for rote. But it is true. It's in the Bible. We are to be a family together. We are now brought into God's family. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we are here. Brothers and sisters in Christ even a tighter bond than blood family, because we have Jesus in common. We are to be servants, and we'll see next week when we look at the Gospel of Mark over the, the coming few months, <coughs> the servant king who teaches us to be servants, to serve one another, to love one another. We are missionaries, as we just said, on God's mission. Disciple makers, we are to, to, to encourage one another in the Lord. Every week in our gospel community groups, you get the opportunity to encourage one another in the Lord. Through the week, we'd send out texts to one another, to sending Bible verses, to to help one another. We are are to disciple one another through this life, pointing each other to Jesus. And it has been a joy and a privilege over the last 12 years to be part of that. But this is not unique to us. This is the call for every Christian across the world. But how do we keep going on God's mission? How do we keep going? 12 years in, very different looking church than it was 12 years ago when there was just 10 of us. How do we keep going when things change and people change and stages of life change? How do we keep going on the, God, the mission that God's called us? And so just some research that may be of interest, it may not be of interest, but hopefully it was. I found it interesting. Um, next one, please, Nick. Is a, a guy called Ed who did some research from around the world about... What characteristics, what are healthy characteristics in a church or a church movement that happens across the world where many people are coming to faith? And these are, the tenth ones on the next slide, so don't worry. Um, But he talks about these things. I'm really quickly just going to touch on them. So he talks about intentionally multiplication. It's not about growing our own kingdom here in Oikos. It's about having a bigger vision for your city and for the country and for the nation's and so we've got to keep at a forefront of our mind that, that it's bigger than just what's going on here in Erdington this is important but there's something much bigger across the, across the whole world that's going on and we're part of it's not seeking our own kingdom but that of god's as being more important than our own ideas um, sacrifice with that will come sacrifice as we did with second city when we planted second city we had to say goodbye to loved friends didn't we that are now taking the gospel into another part of the city. And yes, we praise the Lord, we're still connected through the collective, but it was a sacrifice to do that. Reproducibility, it talks about it not being on a large scale, but small units going and doing this. Gospel communities forming and starting as a church in their area. We're all about that. That's that's our prayer. Gospel communities littered across the city. We want to see that. We want to see communities, with gospel, gospel communities that are light to the people around them. It talks about theological integrity, that we, we stand firm on the truths of the Bible. We don't change it. These are doctrines that are in the Bible, tried and tested, and that there's a unity as a church amongst them or a church movement amongst them. Incarnational ministry It talks about when we go into an area that we adapt to the area we go to rather than it adapting to us. We take the gospel and we speak it into the culture that we're going into. Living close by where we're doing that. Empowering God's people. Charitable to appreciate other models. Seeing that other churches are doing things differently, but they're reaching the loss. And we praise them and we thank them. Thank the Lord that they're doing that. Scalability. I didn't quite get that. It seemed the same as reproducibility. So we'll look over that. But um, holism and overall approach. This is not just social justice and doing good things. This is not just preaching the gospel, this is both. Preaching the gospel and making it out, working it in how we live our lives and in the, how we bless the community and see it transformed. That is a healthy ch- Christian movement or church, have those things at its heart. But if, well, even deeper at its heart, that he says, is at the foundation of it all, is what I want us to focus on today. Those things are great and important and it's important that we're striving towards those things. But without this, it is pointless. Prayer and being shaped by God's word. Two things that every time, we, I don't know if you went to youth group, but the the, leave, the the takeaway message every time at youth group was pray more, read the Bible more. Pretty much, wasn't it? Love Jesus more. And that is the takeaway pretty much from every sermon, isn't it, Really? But not just prayer, this is fervent prayer, this is passionate prayer. Prayer that's not just a habit or a discipline, that's a starting place, but where it's a conviction and it's a priority for us as a church and as individuals, a consistent rhythm in our patterns as a church of repentance and renewed faith. And fervent praying starts with God changing us first, us first. Asking God to change us first before we ask him to change anything else in our community or in our church body. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It starts with us. It starts with us. And we also want to be shaped by God's word. And did you know that every revival that has taken place across the world, whether that's the Welsh revival, the revivals in North America, the revivals in South America or in Africa, all of them have started with fervent prayer and the word of God whether we want a mini revival in our own lives, or whether we want to see a revival on this high street or across our city or our nation, it starts with passionate prayer and letting God's word shape us. Two things. Because I don't know about you. I've been thinking about this a lot. I don't want to labour in vain. I hate wasting my time. Does anyone else hate having their time wasted or wasting your own time? I hate it. I look back and, oh, this last year, I've wasted so much time. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain, Psalm 127 says. And the worst thing is, I certainly don't want to lead a church in wasting their time. The The only thing worse than wasting my own time is wasting other people's time. And so I feel led that as a church, we are being taken to a place of depending on God. Dependence on him. Because from that place, God will use us. And we will um, enthusiastically go out on God's mission, whether we like it or not. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, like um, very, very famous verses, um, verses that we um, hold dearly to here at Oikos and that we preached through many times, is that we see in the early church their utter dependency on him. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs being performed by the apostles. They had everything in common. They sold possessions. They gave to anyone who was in need. Each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And look what happened. The Lord added to their number daily. People were being saved. Being shaped by God's word, being in prayer together. The outworking of that comes an inner revival and potentially a church-wide and city-wide revival. Insignificant people, weak people that had received the Holy Spirit and in the strength of the Holy Spirit they devoted themselves to God. And look what happens. People each day were being saved. Well, how can we be dependent on God? And so if you just turn to John Chapter 15, with me and your Bibles, please. I've got no idea what, in fact, I have got a rough idea what page that is. Um, 1,083, we're just going to have a quick look at this. It's also on on the screen. Um, I actually start reading from verse one. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit Unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruits. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We'll just pause there for a minute. Abide in me. There's not much more dependency than abiding in someone else's for your sustenance and for your help. Abiding means to depend on God. It means to not depart from him. It means to remain in him. It means to be held and kept continually. So there's a holding that Jesus is doing for us. He's holding us in. But, to, but it also, we are to continue to be present, it says the, the Greek means, to continue to be present. We have to be present in the abiding too. Does that make sense? So Jesus holds us and we also hold on to him. He ultimately keeps us. But there's a work for us to do. We have to purposely go to him to abide in him. And so we, we abide to survive, but also to thrive. So look at verse 6. It says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. To spiritually survive, we have to be in the vine. And I love this. This, you know, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Three years he's been with them. What have they done? They have depended upon him for absolutely every single thing. There's not anything they've not not, um, depended upon him for. And then Jesus is going to be away. He's going to leave them. He's going to leave the the spirit behind. They don't quite understand this. But he tells them in in verse 7, you basically need to remember. You need to believe. You need to, uh, to, to love and base everything on my words. How much more do we need this now? We need to hear this, don't we? We need to abide in him. And we need to thrive. And so just a simple way of looking at reading the Bible and praying, being the ways in which we depend upon God and how we thrive, um, thrive in our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a simple thing that I, I read over the last couple of weeks um, in Dane Autland's book, Deeper. He talks about remembering that Bible reading is like inhaling, taking a deep breath in the word of God. And then prayer is like exhaling and breathing out the words of God back to him. That's what he talks about, growing a deeper relationship with him, being rooted in him, being grounded on him. is breathing in the word of God and breathing it back out. So he says this, You will stand in strength and grow in Christ and walk in joy and bless this world no further than you know the Bible. Let me read that again. You will stand in strength. You will grow in Christ. You will walk in joy and bless the world no further than you know the Bible. And the reason we need this and we need one of the many reasons we need the word of God is because it reconstructs our faulty thinking to remember we need him. Whether we like it or not, I think quite often we think, if you just go back please, I think like it or not, Our natural thought process is to see the lens of this world with us at the centre, isn't it? That life is all about me. That I can depend on me. But we know, even as Christians, we know that's not the case. We know it's about Jesus. But actually, we keep going back to life is all about me. And so we need the word each and every day because the Bible dismantles every wrong notion that we have and replaces it with the knowledge that we are here to spread God's reputation and honour. That's what it's about. It's not about us, first and foremost. It dismantles the thought that we're the centre of the universe, that life is all about my comfort. It dismantles the notion that God will accept us by our good works. It dismantles the notion that anything other than Jesus will satisfy our souls. Sex, marriage, food, relationships, friendship, money, power. It puts those things into perspective. And I need and we need a daily room. mind of that and to reorientate our lives around what is true and right the bible is true it is the ultimate truth it's what we can ground our whole lives on and i don't know about you but as i look back over my christian life since 21 the times where i felt most dissatisfied have been the times where i've not been in god's word particularly regularly or i've not been praying to him there's a direct correlation. I can see it. Even now, when there's when there's things that are going on in my life where I'm feeling dissatisfied with whatever it may be—not my job, not my job—and um, my family. Anyway, I've got to be careful about this. But um, whenever I'm feeling dissatisfied, I can promise you that it is because there's something deeper going on, and I haven't been giving God the right place in my heart because I've not been in His Word enough, or I've not been praying. I've not been praying to Him the battle of the spirit and the battle of the flesh, God's will and our own will only gets harder the less we are relying upon him. Well, last week, I was able to go camping with a few of the other dads in the church and took our our little kids, well, I took one with us, um, and I tell you what, there's something so different. As much as I love Erdington's Air, there is something about the countryside that is just, beautiful. You ever, when you take a, your first deep breath in, in the countryside, it, you don't have to breathe as often. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I just felt, oh, this is good. Well, it was solihull air as well, so it was, it was very good, high quality air. Um, and so um, the air tasted different. I was at, like, it's tangibly different, isn't it? There's not that pollution that's in it. It's it was really, really clean and good air. It kind of gives you a little bit more focus. It gives you a little bit more of like, um, calms you down even a little bit more, I found. And so breathing in, if we think about this act of breathing in, if we're breathing in God's word into our life each and every single day, it's like that clean air we receive, isn't it, in the countryside. It goes a lot further. <laughs> I think Caleb disagrees, but it does. Um <laughs> And so let me ask you a question, maybe jot this down for you, for you to take home and think about and maybe have time afterwards, but, but what air are you breathing in? Is it the clean, life-giving air of the Word of God that we can freely receive each and every single day? Or has it been polluted by something, the things of this world that we're kind of looking to instead of the Word of God? I mean, maybe there's even something that the Lord's asking you to lay down in order for you to replace that time with the Word of God. Now, it maybe it's social media. Like I have this love-hate thing with social media. I hate it pretty much most of the time, but then you're on it and you think, oh, look at the same-and-so's life. Look at the and life. Oh, isn't it brilliant? Um, but there's countless minutes or hours each month that are wasted for me on that. I'm not saying it's bad to look at social media, feel free, but as in when it becomes a thing that is your go-to thing. For me, first thing in the morning, it is the BBC News sports website. Finding out exactly what's happened in the last 12 hours since I've been asleep. um, And transfer deadline day has been very exciting for me, I have to say. But it does impact the time I spend with the Lord as well. A survey of evangelical Christians found that 32% of over 30s read the Bible every day, which means two-thirds don't. For millennials... Only 9% read the Bible every day. 13% look look at it a couple of times a week. 51% only engage with it a few times a year. These are evangelical Christians. I'm not saying this to condemn us, but it's a helpful reminder to think we need the word of God each and every single day and we need to encourage one another to be in the word every single day. Because if the word of God is these things, Nick, if you just put it on, please. It is God's word breathed out, sharper than a double-edged sword. It is the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. Or, I think I've spelled that wrong. A lamp to my feet, not my first. i fist here. Um, The word of God endures forever. It's never going to pass away. It's light. It's true and it's right. It's living water. It's spiritual milk. It's a refuge and a hope. What a good thing to breathe in and out, isn't it? What a good thing for us to breathe in and out. Dane Orton says this, he also says this in his book, he says, when we yawn over the Bible, that's like a severe asthmatic yawning over the free offer of a ventilator while gasping for air. When we yawn over the Bible, so we wake up in the morning, we're like, oh, I to read a little bit of your word. That is like an asthmatic yawning over the free offer of a ventilator while gasping for air. That, That really struck me. He also says we'll never go deeper with Christ any further than we go into Scripture. So I just want to encourage us. Let's depend on God through just turning to his word each and every day. Not not because we have to, but because we recognise that it is all those things that we've just said. And it shows our dependency on him that we need him more than other things. So that's breathing in. Are you breathing in good air or are you breathing in polluted air? But also we need to abide in him through prayer. As we breathe in the life-giving word of God, we can breathe it back out to him. And I love this. I love that we're able to speak the words of praise that he's written down for us to pray back to him and speak back to him. When we don't know what to say, what do we do? Open up the Bible We can speak it back to him. The Psalms is a whole book of praise, (laughs) praising him for who he is and what he's done. But sometimes also we need the Psalms, to be able to pray to him to say, man, life is hard and it sucks at the moment. And we can speak that to him and he knows our hearts. Romans 18 says, we are, we are we cry, a Father. It's daddy, daddy, I love you. I need you, daddy, basically. How many times does Jesus go and find a quiet place to pray in the Gospels? If he needed to do it, I have to say, I think we're going to need to do it as well. God delights in answering prayer. But you know what he delights more in? You coming to him in prayer. So, I don't know if I've got time. So. But a few months ago, I finally started a prayer diary. And it's amazing to do a prayer diary. Because there's so many prayers I've prayed over the years that I can't remember where, you know, have they have there been answered or not? Sometimes I'm not sure because I can't remember what I prayed for. So I thought I'd log it. And it's been it's been amazing to look over it and just see how the Lord has answered some prayers, even in the last few months. We we were praying for, for Danny P to be healed, who he used to work in the cafe, and the Lord has done that. He's able to work again. We praise him for that. Um, what else have I got, down? Ones I can share. Um, <clears throat> so I prayed that we would have. We've been praying as elders for more workers for the harvest for a year now. Faithfully been praying for that. And that prayer is, is being answered, isn't it? We've got um, Amy and Savannah, we've had Grant and Jennifer join us, Paul, Sue, we, we've had a, a number of people, sorry if I don't <laughs> shout everybody, um, but we've had a number of people that have come and joined us over this last 12 months, and I firmly believe it's because we're praying for people to come and join what we're doing here. Um, workers for the, for the cafe we have been praying for that, finances for the cafe, finances for the church, all prayers that, have been, that have, we've prayed and, and have been answered. And it's good to remember that he delights in answering our prayers. And so I encourage you, write down your prayers. Yeah. When have they been answered? How have they been answered? Because he does answer prayer and he's a good father and he gives us good things. Well, my, I must admit, some of my prayers are more like a, a shopping list. Some of them are. Give me this, God. I need this. I need this. But sometimes we can just come to him and praise him for who he is and what he's done. He does care and he wants our shopping lists, but he wants more than that as well. Abide in me. We can do it through the word and through prayer. Are we a praying people? I believe we are. I believe Oikos is a praying people. But are we a praying people like the early church in Acts, where they devoted themselves to it? That's something I want us to grow in. I want myself to grow in. I'd love us as a church to grow grow in that. And I want us to grow in fervent, passionate prayer that is united, persistent and kingdom-centered. They're the prayers that we want. So what will this look like for us as a church? So I've done a lot of big vision and really, how does this actually play out in the life of your life and our lives here at Oikos? I mean, I don't want to give a list of 30 things, but there's just a couple of things I want us to, to know that we're going to be focusing on during this season. Well, firstly, um, not that it's about a prayer meeting, but it, does, is it is important that we have a time set aside for us to meet together and pray. Thank you very much. Um, is, I don't know if there's an... That's it. Go back one, it's fine. Don't worry. That's the last one, don't worry. Um, What is I think has been on my heart for a while is wanting us to meet together and having a time set aside for us to pray together as a church. And so um, I would love to do this each week, but I was going to go start with monthly. Um, The first Sunday evening of every month, which happens to be tonight, which I know I've not let anyone know about, and that was purposeful because... um, I am going to do it tonight. I'll be here at 7.45 to pray. And anyone else, feel free to join. I know it's last minute, so (coughs) it'll be um, not possible for everybody. But I want us to be seeking the Lord together. Not just shopping list prayers, although we may come to him with needs like that, but also big prayers, kingdom-centred. What do we want to see happening in our church, in our communities, and in the wider um, part of Birmingham and in the world? Extraordinary prayer that's united, persistent, and we're kingdom-centred to seeing his mission Go out there and us being part of it, and so that would be 7:45, and it would finish no later than nine, um, unless the Lord wills it to be different. Um, and then, DNA's. Many of you will know what a DNA is. Some of you won't know what a DNA is. These are our discover, nurture, and act groups. These are groups of three or four men or three or four women that have been um, that meet together to really delve deeply into the world the world the word um, and have it speak into their lives where maybe sin and struggles comes out and we just help one another and we preach the gospel into those situations and so there's a number of those that go on at the moment and my heart and my desire is that I would love everybody to have the opportunity to be in one and i'll say this this is not for the faint hearted this is not for, if you're not that bothered about going deep or want that level of discipleship, that's fine and okay. But some people really do just want to delve into the word and have it really kind of, um, have an opportunity to, to have the word really speak into their lives and share their struggles and share their sin and hold each other accountable. And if anybody wants that, I'd love everybody to have that opportunity if that's what they want. It's not just going to be within the gospel community groups like we used to do. This is just going to be for uh, this is going to be across the church and I know there's some already that are going on and we'd love to keep those Um, but maybe some others will form and we'd love that maybe each week or bi-weekly people meet to really speak truth into each other's hearts and so the vision hasn't changed our vision is the same vision that it is for every Christian which is to be on God's mission and to have him change us but the way in which I want us to go about this is rather than do, do, do which there are some things that we can't lay down, and I'm glad because I think we we need to be doing things. But I think it's got to come from a place, a foundation of prayer and the word. Those two simple things. And so we're looking at starting some new ministries. We'd love to have an English class, but unless unless, um, we pray about it and have the Lord have it on our hearts that this is the right thing for us to do as a church, there's no point in doing it. And so that's the kind of mentality I want us to have. Let's pray for these things throughout the year. Not just meeting when there's a crisis, like we did. It was great last year. We met together for three months to pray through whether we want the building or not going forward. And that was a great time. But if we're doing this ongoing, we will be able to be in tune with the Spirit. And we will know what the Lord has in store for us. And that we pray at all times, without ceasing. Right. I've spoken a lot there. I don't know how long that was. It's 33 minutes and 26 seconds. So it was... Um, but just to finish with, I do, I, so I do know how long I've spoken for, actually, in the end. Um, so just a couple of things that I want us to, to think about and do, maybe, and just to finish with. Dane Orton says this, um, And as you do, you will grow, to pray, as you read the word. You won't feel it every day or day to day, but you'll come to the end of your life, radiant, solid man or woman, and you will have left in your wake the aroma of heaven. And you will have blessed the world and your life will have mattered. Let's not labour in vain. Let's make sure our life matters. Let's turn to the word. Let's pray out to God and then we can't go wrong. And so in a moment, we're going to have some time just to maybe have a little chat around the tables about anything that's been said. So I would encourage you to do that. What what excites you about this vision? Um, What fears do you have? What clarity do you need? Normally there'll be clarity questions that might come back. And then I would like us to spend some time just in worship um, for the last 10 minutes. um, Singing some words of praise to God, but then also having an opportunity to speak words back to him from the Bible. So I'd encourage you during this time as well, maybe to have a look at a a piece of scripture that's been on your heart this week. And let's encourage one another in this, because it may be a word for you, but a word for you could also be a word for the church as well to encourage us. And and so um, we'll have some time to do that. So just to finish with. Round your tables for five minutes or so, five, six minutes. What excites you about the vision? Um, what fears do you have maybe, and maybe coming up with uh, finding a piece of scripture that you'd like to potentially um, speak out in a little bit?